0: Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Midsommar and I am happy to be joined by recurring guest and friend of the podcast, Elijah Howard. Elijah, thanks for joining
1: me. Thank you for having me. Always happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so Elijah put in the request quite a while ago to uh, to join me for this one. So I'm I'm excited to talk to him about it because I know it had been a very anticipated movie for him. Uh, Midsommar is the newest film from Ari Aster, who made his uh, theatrical or feature-length film debut as a director last year with Hereditary, which was actually what we talked about on the first ever episode of this podcast. So a bit of a milestone here to be talking about a director's second film on this podcast. I'm excited about that hereditary yeah. obviously was uh, in uh, a horror movie but uh focused on a family this one focuses more on a friendship and a relationship as it's about a college student named danny who uh, has gone through some uh, pretty big trauma within her family and she has a boyfriend named christian and their relationship has been on the rocks a little bit and christian is a phd student in anthropology and he had been talking with his friends about going on this big trip to Sweden. Uh, one of their friends from grad school is, a, I guess, a, uh, a, a Swede named, is it Pele or Pel, uh, Elijah?
1: Pele. Right? Yeah, you, you, you kind of pronounce the, L- Pelé, P- the yeah. yeah yeah.
0: Yeah, so Pele's from Sweden. He uh, is from a, like a, a sw- Swedish area. Uh, uh, or he, They're going to go on a trip to his ancestral commune. Uh, called the the harga and it's in uh halsingland section of sweden uh they have this big annual celebration every 90 years called the midsummer celebration and danny is a little caught off guard when her uh long-term boyfriend is planning a massive transatlantic trip without her he sheepishly invites her along to the dismay of his friends and they show up to this uh commune in sweden and Uh, things get weird which is probably what everyone was expecting when they uh, were walking into this movie but it might even be another level of weird so Elijah I think we're going to try and talk about this movie a little bit generally before we kind of jump into spoiler territory if we can figure out a way to do that uh, because I think there is a way to do that but I I, I first want to ask you though I mean you were obviously pretty excited for this movie and I'm I'm guessing that's because you were really intrigued by hereditary and excited to see what Ari Aster did next so uh, just uh, in general like I don't know what, what were you hoping to get out of this movie?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will definitely say that Hereditary was, um, for me, a, a very unique uh, horror film from the last couple of years. And so, you know, to hear that the director was going to keep doing horror um, and uh, to go and to, to see how that you know played out, um, I was excited for that. But even I think more so my, uh, my personal area of horror that I'm most drawn to is folk horror – which I suppose we'll probably hit on a couple times when we talk about this film, um, you know, the more specifics of it. But folk horror is a very minute uh, niche subgenre of horror that that deals with the intersection of uh, modern horror trends with traditional folklore. And um, basically uh, that manifests most of the time in being these kind of... uh, anglo germanic nordic uh uh cultural films uh, you know about you know far off village types and uh you know the the very strange and terrible things that happen uh, in those settings and um you know even from hearing the title alone i mean it was pretty clear to me that that was going to be you know that i was going to play some part in this movie and so we we don't get very many of those i think I have a running list over the would entire... The, so would The Witch fall into that category, another H 24 movie? Uh, yeah, the, I would say The Witch is a pretty solid folk horror film in terms of... I mean, I think it's an excellent horror film. And in, in, in terms of its relationship to folk horror, it's maybe not the most folk horror-y, quote-unquote. Gotcha. But it is, it is definitely, I would say, it, it falls into that category. But, I mean... In general, we've had a resurgence in the last like three years um, of a couple popular folk horror films now, including Midsummer. But in in the maybe you know a hundred years of cinema that we've had, there's probably two dozen folk horror films in total the world over. So it's a very very small genre, and to see it get any new films is always exciting for me.
0: Yeah, one of the one of the pleasant surprises for me about Hereditary is someone who just doesn't necessarily love. Horror, horror that relies too much on jump scares—not even because like I just hate being scared, but more because I just just don't get a lot out of it—is that like I was like for a movie that's like largely takes place in a house that is uh, like at least to some extent haunted, for lack of a better term. Like it didn't rely too much on like just a lot of jumping out from behind walls to scare people. It ratcheted up the horror in different ways. I I kind of expected I kind of expected mid uh, kind of midsummer to like. Uh, be very similar in that vein because it, it had a different setting. But at the same time, uh, I, I think just one of the things that's overall more impressive about it to me was that like, it, it did have a pretty, it did convey a pretty big feeling of dread throughout, uh, a feeling of claustrophobia, despite largely taking place outside. It was largely in the daytime. our, any of those kind of things where it's like this uh, mounting tension throughout, are those are, are those anything that, are, are those qualities of a movie that I'm, these ones that I'm talking about that Midsommar had, are those things that are traits of folk horror or are those more like kind of what are becoming Ari Aster's trademarks?
1: Mm, that's an interesting question because, I mean, there are these two films, Hereditary and Midsommar, could, are probably the most diametrically opposed first and second film of, you know, a filmmaker's career that are still within the same genre. Right. Um, but I definitely think to a degree, yeah, there are those elements um in folklore because folklore it largely relies on the fear of the unknown and, you know, that I think always first manifests with you know well we don't really know much about these people and then it sort of goes past that usually and becomes well these people are crazy but their culture and and the things and the magic and the you know the the terrible things that they believe in are even are even far more mysterious and horrible um so i think that that mounting dread um You know, is always it will always play a role in folk horror because uh, you know to me it's one of the ultimate fears, the fear of the unknown. You know, so yeah, I think I think to a degree, but I also think that that's sort of just Ari Aster's thing in general too. You know, because Hereditary did have a lot of that as well. You know, I think stylistically the two films are different, but both of them focused on a type of fear of the unknown
0: well what's interesting too about this movie I, and I, we should say that the uh lead character danny she's played by Florence Pugh, and her boyfriend Christian's played by jack rayner uh their friends are josh played by william jackson harper who you might know from the good place uh pele is played by a guy named wilhelm uh blomgren who i don't know if i've seen anything before and then their other friend mark is played by will poulter who uh everyone should know from a lot of things, whether it be the Maze Runner movies, Detroit, Where the Millers, all that good stuff. He's a very versatile actor. A lot of the, these people in, uh especially the male characters though, I would say that like the movie almost more relies on, you talk about fear of the unknown, it's more like the audience almost has a fear of the unknown more so than these characters, which is an odd thing because I mean we have the expectation that weird stuff's going to happen based on even what little we know about the movie, but you know and, and we know things are probably going to keep getting a little more disturbing even before, like, the first really disturbing thing happens. But it's interesting. It seems like these characters, like, maybe for a lot of the movie aren't really as scared as we would think they might be like i guess that largely has that something to do with a lot of them being anthropologists uh well exactly they're just really interested in this stuff and more so than they're scared and it's 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 an interesting way to watch a horror movie where usually it's like you might be watching this horror movie and the characters are running for their lives for uh, a lot of the movie or really really like i don't know for some reason like get out just dumped in my head and it made me think that like can get out like our, our main character there uh he's he's like pretty on high alert like even more so it seems like than a lot of the characters are in this movies throughout like in Midsommar it's like these guys are like more curious than they are scared for like the majority of the runtime that that was just like a unique
1: thing about this movie you know yeah i think a lot of horror movies i think an easy way out of writing horror movies is to just make your characters dumb um, and that's the way that you are able to explain, well, why did they go into that shed? Why did they go into that dark corridor? you know, what, what, it's, it's a lot easier to, you know, justify character actions when your characters are just stupid, um, when they're not intelligent people. Um, but I thought this movie was fascinating because its characters were largely pretty smart. Um, you're talking about a bunch of, uh, you know, post <laughs> a lot, bunch of doctoral students and, um yeah, I think very much their, their curiosity plays into their decision-making and also perhaps a sense of, of arrogance. Yeah, and, and I was going to say ego, it, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it goes past stupidity. These characters think that they know better than the situation they're in. And Danny is not, you know, she's not an anthropologist, or at least if she is an anthropologist, it's never brought up in the film. Psychology student, right? right? Like, uh, you're, you're, you're right, I'm sorry. She's a psychology student. And I think even though we are supposed to as an audience to a degree empathize with, with Danny uh, through most of her journey. I think she also comes off as, as arrogant. I think she thinks that she can, uh, you know, mentally, you know, perhaps reason her way out of certain situations. And obviously a lot of the film deals with her, you know, suffering from a mental breakdown. So perhaps she's not the most reliable in that regard. But I think this movie is a lot about um, the arrogance and, and the, the, the display of, um, Of knowledge that that we as a society feel like we frequently have to put on for people um and I think that was an interesting way to justify character actions within the film because I think that drives that drives every character's uh you know the way that they they act with the exception of maybe Mark Will character who who is just legitimately stupid (laughs) uh
0: uh, agreed So I I mean I, It seems like we're in agreement On like that just being Something that the film did That was like Really interesting But uh, I think one other area We can really talk about a lot Without really spoiling the movie Is just um, How interesting It really looks visually Because I mean That's obviously apparent It's obviously apparent Some of the visual flourishes Even if you just like Watch this trailer But I, I think one thing I just really wasn't aware of Going into it And maybe anyone that knows Like more than Nothing about Sweden Because that's how much I basically knew about Sweden Before this movie uh, Would not be surprised By the fact that It doesn't really get dark there in the summer, and you have uh, infinite more reference points for horror movies than I do, because I just have really started delving more into the genre in the last few years, but, I mean, is there any precedence for, like, a horror movie that just takes place like
1: 98% in the light? Um, well, there sure ain't a lot of them, but I would say uh, one that what came to mind when I was watching it was this film called The Reflecting Skin, hmm. which is a, a another... You know, it's a supernatural horror. I think it dips into folk horror. And uh, it, it's uh, it's very unseen, unfortunately. I, and I'm pretty sure it's... I don't, I don't believe there's any way to stream it in the U.S. But um, the, uh, it's, it's it got this gorgeous, gorgeous cinematography um, that was inspired a lot by Andrew Wyeth's paintings. Um, in this these uh, 1950s farm country paintings... Um, and so all of the cinematography is this broad daylight, blue sky, cornfields for miles kind of stuff. Um, but it's about a, it's about a kid who thinks that his father is being slowly killed by a vampire. Oh. <laughs> um, and so it's, uh, it, it, yeah, I would say that that was probably the closest thing that I could think of. Um, but in general, I would say that that is a trait of folk horror is that folk horror does not shy away from using daylight as a, um, as a natural environment. How effective, um, how effective do you think they were at doing it here? I think that you know, gets into a larger question of whether or not this movie was effective at all as a horror film or if it was just effective as a film in general. Huh. Um, I don't think that the daylight was used to make anything particularly scary in and of itself. Uh, I think even if that's
0: the, not what the mechanism by which you make something scary is, I, I, I would for me, it, I was just kind of taken aback and really like impressed by the fact that like it was still scary in spite of that because I think we often do associate like the dark
1: with fear. Of course, yeah, it was definitely unsettling. Yeah, um, and I think uh, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a that's a fair way to describe it. Yeah, you know, yeah, and
0: I, I don't know. It was just something that was—it was very unique to like anything I'd ever seen. It was felt very unique and refreshing, and uh, I, I just like—I I was just kind of wild by that, and I liked just hanging out in that. Um I don't want to say I liked hanging out because that makes it seem like this movie was like a fun hang. But uh, there are funny parts, but like it was more just that like I was like, wow, this is just like really cool and unique. I'm enjoying looking at this and just hanging out in this real world a lot because it just felt like something unlike anything I'd really seen before in a, in, in a movie of this type. And, you know, I think for Hereditary, one of the things that like I, and I liked Hereditary, but like I, me and I think like a lot of people were uh, turned off by the last like 10 minutes of that movie and it just kind of turned into something that you didn't think you were watching you know i was very there for like the i i'm sure like i I, other people have thrown out the tagline i I don't really know who to attribute it to but like if you're like let's make ordinary people a horror movie or something like that and i was like yeah i'm here for a movie like that and then it feels like it gets into the whole thing with like the coven and all that in the last 10 minutes like "Eh, i don't even really get it this seems a little a little much for me it's not what i thought i was getting and i was like whatever and i went into midsummer though like I was like, I was just because I knew what Hereditary was. I was like, all right, I'm I'm bracing myself for like the weirdest crap possible, and I'm gonna just totally like dive head first in, and fully embrace it. So, I think just because like this movie does get very weird, and I, we, I want to talk about the drug use a little bit too before we jump into spoilers. But like I, I think I was just like, you know, this is like this is, uh, this is everything I hoped for when I was hoping for like a movie where i'm just gonna watch stuff get really weird and it felt very unique and it was cool just to like explore another culture and in a way that like you know wasn't like uh in your face like how awful are these people right away that you're really brought into this world in like a really interesting way where like you know these people aren't even really hiding the ball you know that's what the another fascinating thing about this movie is that like these anthropologists are basically are asking these people like a lot of questions and it's not like they're I mean they might be lying about what their ultimate intentions are towards them as people but like they're not super evasive and you might think that like people a lot of movies like this might just you know um, make the characters that are inevitably the antagonists like Really, really like sketchy and and not try and converse with our uh, with our point of entry characters that much. But I don't know. I just kind of felt like, hey, hey, let's introduce you to some weird crap. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for this weird stuff, and I'm looking at, it at a very visually interesting movie. And I, I guess that's just my long way of asking you, like, you know, I mean, uh, how, how did what what did you think about these about these people? Because we didn't even, I really didn't even ask you about that. What did you think about these
1: villagers? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was, um, I thought it was interesting how much, even as a kind of, you know, a collective horror of, you know, that's sort of faceless. You know, there, there's people who stand out, but they are. It's largely the community is the villain, not the, not an individual person. Um, I did like how humanized they were throughout the film. Their interactions felt very normal. For instance, there's a scene and I don't believe we're really spoiling anything um, by me speaking about this scene. There's a scene where uh, Mark, who is the, the comic relief character for, you know, most of the film Mm -hmm. uh, urinates on an important tree. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that kind of action in any film is obviously going to result in characters freaking out. But there was something decidedly uncinematic and normal about the way people responded to it, which is like the one guy like freaks out. But he's not like he's not speaking in some archaic villainous tongue. He's like, dude, this idiot just pissed on our like he literally yeah. says this idiot just pissed on our tree. Like it's very um, it was very normal and very human, which I thought was um Interesting, and when we talk about you know a little bit later, maybe about the themes in this film, I thought that was a very interesting way of conveying, um, the, the overall allegory of you know the the horga and and their culture as just sort of society in general. And so, I thought, uh, you know, having them be largely normal people, um, except for you know the, the part where they paralyze and, and kill a bunch of people, that's uh. You know it was a, it was a very interesting decision
0: yeah no I, I, yeah i agree I, th- I I don't know, I just thought it was really cool, and like I still would have maybe enjoyed this movie even if they hadn't been that normal, but it almost uh, it feels like Uh, Ari Aster is not really judging them too much uh at at all or casting too many aspersions on them and uh, for much of the movie's runtime and it's just like okay like it's just fun to watch these people like slowly learn like what they've gotten themselves into and but like at the same time like being able to like recognize that something weird's going on but not like be totally isolated from their host they're able to have regular conversations and ask some questions there. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have any specific example that comes to mind, but I feel like so often in whether they be horror or suspense movies, like someone has asked someone a question and the person that the question is asked to just like finds a good way to just like not answer that question. And there were so many moments where I was expecting it to be something like that. And then it just turned into something else and it made the world just uh, more fun to explore. And even when some of the crazier stuff happens in the movie, the, the reaction still on Aren't really all that. Uh, they're they're really not all that um, uh, what you would expect from someone that might be your normal villain in a movie, and it, it just made it really refreshing. We've gone a pretty long time without actually talking about the relationship between the two lead characters, but Ari Aster has uh, said before. I think he's said in multiple interviews more so than a horror movie, he almost considers it a breakup movie. Uh, what did you think about just uh, the the first act of this movie and? Florence Pugh's performance and the state where where the where the movie gets that character to before it even like leaves the country?
1: Um I thought it was an excellent way of framing the story. I mean, um I would say that yeah, uh this is largely a breakup movie dressed as a horror film. Um and the first you know, 30 or so minutes really lay the foundation for everything else we see in the movie. And uh I think the way that it establishes that dread at the beginning and really puts you in the mindset of of Danny um, was a very effective way of doing that. The first, uh, I don't know if we can t- should just, and as an aside here, should we start talking about the plot, really? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. yeah, The opening scene uh, sets the stage for the story by showing uh, Danny's sister uh, committing a murder-suicide with her parents... That to me was such a kind of shocking and unexpected way to enter this movie because um, you know normally a film like this would try to hide the lead with you know the the weird stuff that happens when you're watching a trailer Mm -hmm. you know you'd watch a trailer and you would expect that they wouldn't really show all the weird stuff because they'd want to save that for for you know you actually watching the movie. But the, the trailers didn't shy away from that really, and it wasn't until the first minutes of this movie that I realized that there was whole this whole other aspect of it at the beginning. Oh yeah, right, um, right, right. And I don't think a lot of people knew that that was going to happen, and the movie was going to open with such a horrific um, and gut-wrenching scene like that. And so, and and even in the way that it was portrayed, was very, it was very Ari Aster esque, um, and it was very. It was very off-putting, perhaps even more so than what we would would, would expect, um, because I think, you know, we come to expect oh, a movie's going to open with a murder suicide. Well, we're going to get some kind of dramatic, you know, a standoff and the police, and there'll be a, you know, there'll be, uh, you know, some kind of monologue or whatever, and then the character will turn a gun on themselves, and that, and then, you know, everybody will scream, and that'll be that. But the way that this opening scene was done was so drawn out and so, really terrific and terrible and you know we we don't see anything there's no it's very anticlimactic and very uh very sorrowful you know we don't see anything we don't get the we don't get the the comfort of some kind of hollywood presentation of it uh yeah it starts
0: out like showing that right but then it goes back to well no first you see like danny's phone call which is like a pretty interesting way to open the movie where she's like talking to her sister and, like, I don't think the camera leaves her face for, like, what, close to five minutes probably, right?
1: Right. Well, yeah, she calls her sister, leaves a message, then calls Christian and, and talks to him. And then, you know, tries to go back to talking to her sister. And then we switch perspectives and see Christian with his friends. And then he gets the call from her that she's learned what's happened to her sister. And then we see, you know, at the, at the family's house— you know, we see the scene, and it's, uh, you, uh,
0: I thought you saw maybe maybe you saw her parents before then. I couldn't remember the order in which happened.
1: You do, um, but you don't actually see them dead. Well, oh, oh, okay. you, you don't know that they're dead when you see right, them. You right, just see right, them right, laying. Right, right. You just see them laying in bed. And um, gotcha. Yeah. I was expecting something there. I was expecting to see somebody standing in the shadows or something, and and you just don't. Mm-hmm. And it's not until later that it's revealed that you yeah. know the sister. Ugh. gassed them to death um and then and that 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 um the kind of uh clinical death of her sister and parents plays a great role in the rest of the film um in the imagery of the rest of the film
0: yeah i mean it's i mean it, it's it's devastating there's there's really not any other way to put it i was like uh because like you said it's it, it, it's unique in the way it hides the ball with this kind of trailer and then it's like i'm already expecting to like really see some deranged stuff and feel some all all sorts of ways and had my stomach turned into knots just because I know I'm seeing an Ari Aster movie and while he hasn't made a lot of movies you kind of know to expect something like that and at that point it's like man they're really gonna like punch us in the gut like this before we even get to the weirdest of stuff it was it was just like a it was just like a weird uh I don't know if wake up call is the right term, but I was just like, man, like they're really like going for something pretty extreme here. And I know that's going to only get worse. And it was it was just like a weird sensation to have in a movie to like realize like, man, he,
1: he is just going to be relentless with this thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, I thought just the, the ways that that scene can, the, that, that entire opening segment continued to play a role throughout the rest of the movie, um, that's not something that you find very frequently in films. I think a lot of the time we have opening segments and we have opening acts only to establish a single conflict, and that's it. You get the conflict established, and then you move on to the real stuff that you actually want to show. But the, that, that opening 15, 20 minutes was so loaded with with you know visual metaphor and with really important character development that you know, played way more than just one role throughout the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah. And it also like actually it uh, largely informs uh, the character of Christian who, uh, you know, I think we come to learn isn't the nicest guy is maybe a little self-involved, but at the same time, like uh, he's put in a tough situation and I, I thought it was really impressive how the movie was somehow able to get some laughs also in those first 20 to 30 minutes when he's talking to his friends uh, just trying to consult like what he should do about it but I mean, man like, I, I, I just lost it when he told them that they invited, he invited her on the trip <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious just that, that whole uh, dynamic with the friends trying to talk one friend out of a bad relationship is something that I'm sure just about anyone going to see this movie is familiar with that dynamic but then to, for him to put his friends in that situation was to see them react the way they did was it, it was like very darkly funny
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think the, you know, it's it's excellent, excellent acting by all parties involved, Mm -hmm. but uh, the comedic timing in the direction is just, uh, you know, stellar. Just the use of pauses, because I I even noticed in the scene um, where Christian tells his friends, you know, that, that he's invited his his girlfriend along. The camera stays in one place. There's no cuts in the entire scene. It's like you know, yeah. five, that about wide five shot from scene. like the, the back of the living room where you can see. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're doing something like that, you can't cut, cut around jokes. You have to build that into the scene. And there was literally pauses when the audience was expected to laugh and the audience laughed and then they picked right back up again. And it was, it was really incredible that you can work that into your direction. You can say, okay, now at this point, you're going to say something that we believe is going to elicit a laugh from the audience, so I want you to wait before you deliver the next line. And
0: I guess there's also um, a version of that scene where they like probably cut to each of their faces and it probably doesn't work
1: as well. Right, exactly. Um, or, or if it does, it's just not nearly as impressive as right. <laughs> you know, uh, doing it in one take, which I thought was a really interesting choice.
0: Yeah, and I mean... I, just as far as uh, I, th- I mean I think there probably were a, a, a few funny moments in Hereditary but n- nothing like this for as, as far as the the rate of the last elicited and that's just something that like we we already talked about just how they're interacting a lot about how these people interact with the with all the Swedish people that they do meet at the Hagra but like I, I don't know it's just really impressive uh I, well I, like I said I I like the interactions just with how much back and forth and uh civility there seemed to be on the surface but at the same time like there were a lot of moments when they were just perplexed the americans were in the in the, the couple english people that they meet up with where they, they were just like at a loss and the audience is at a loss too and and it, it was just really funny when they like didn't know how to react to stuff and we, some weird stuff would happen i i, I think it, it is a little bit of the same thing you were talking about where like everything just kind of freezes for a moment where the, they maybe they were expecting a laugh and at least in my theater like they did get those laughs it, 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 it was really effective
1: yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think maybe there's some leading going on that yeah, you know, the, the the and that's what direction is. You're not directing the the actors of the movie. You're directing the audience. Um, although that's more what an editor does, but I, I think to a degree, a good director can do that too. A good director can direct the audience. Um, and so I think you just you know he he wrote the Ariaster wrote the screenplay. He knew where there were going to be parts in it that he thought were that were going to be funny. Um, and so, yeah, that, uh, that kind of stupendous silence that occurs in, in a few places is really, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's a very cool thing to witness.
0: Yeah. Um, Before we jump into like heavy, heavy spoilers, I want to ask you, uh, how did you think this movie, uh, portrayed drug use and how effective was that in kind of adding to the experience that these people were having at this commune?
1: It portrayed it. Accurately, to some degree, <laughs> I, I don't really know. Um, you know what the what what kind of answer to give there. I'm not asking you to
0: know, comment on how similar <laughs> any experiences you have had with uh, illicit substances were in this movie, but more like uh, how, how effective do you think they uh, used it to uh, just. Uh, enhance the plot enhance the suspense enhance the horror uh, one, one example i'll give which it has less to do with actually the doing of the drugs is or the the effect of the drugs as opposed to the doing of the drugs and uh a situation which I had hoped that, like, I would, we'd even gotten a few more of before the movie was, right before they do their first acid trip, when they are, like, still outside the commune, but just kind of on the outskirts of it at the at the beginning, like, I, I kind of love the situation just, like, as far as, like, the decision to go on an acid trip in the first place, and how they're all kind of trying to, like, debate how they're gonna do this, how they're gonna coordinate it, and this, and this then the position, and how they're gonna time it all out, but also the position that it puts Danny versus Christian in, where we're getting some of like the tension that we were expecting when he invited her on this trip and does she want to do it? Does he want to do it? And it just like the dynamic that that like kind of displayed between all those people. Like, I thought that was like a really cool scene and just, uh, something I hadn't really thought about. It's like, if you, yeah, if you are on a trip, like, I guess you do got to kind of coordinate your drug use in an organized fashion. And I, and I, and I got a kick out of that, but it also does kind of tell you something about like the relationships between these people at the same time, just the decision on how to do your drugs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the, the, The movie portrays drugs in a a very interesting way, and the the first is it's extremely innocuous. I mean, I think there's only one time within the movie that the drug use is really explicitly called out. Every other time, it's it's referred to very casually and very. They just say trip. Mm
0: -hmm. They just say trip, and they don't even really say anything else.
1: Yeah, it's very nonchalant, and uh, and and in fact, it's so nonchalant to the point where you almost wonder if characters are doing more drugs than we're being than than the audience is being explicitly told that they're doing. Hmm. We see characters drink things a lot. We see characters, you know, surrounded by smoke in a few different places, but we don't really there's only maybe two or three instances where, you know, it's very clear that they're doing drugs to the audience. So I, I wonder, you know, how much of that is kind of to play with the audience and toy with the idea. It's like, maybe they're just on drugs the whole damn time. (laughs) Um, You know, maybe they've just been dosing (laughs) these, these foreigners um, the, the entire movie, but more to the point, I mean, I think, I think one of the central aspects of this movie is, is the kind of, the way that the, the Orga reflect uh, normal society back to the people who are there, back to, back to these foreigners, back to the outsiders. And I think, you know, for all these characters, it's implied that drugs are just like a normal thing. It's just yeah. a social lubricant. I mean, to the point where there, when we see Christian's apartment and we see uh, the scene where he uh, tells his friends that he's invited uh, Danny to come there's like a bong under the table and I don't remember which character it is, but somebody says like, should we like put this away or clean this up? And <laughs> Christian's like, no, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, a, it's just something that's normal. And so, I think it's sort of there's there's an ironic humor to it that when they go to this commune and they're just and just like normal they're just doing drugs all the time it suddenly becomes not as cool it suddenly becomes much more frightening yeah so. and then
0: like and and then when they're forced upon them in a different way like that's a little frightening too you know like where they or, or it's maybe not even drugs but it might be a concoction that can some drugs but they don't actually know what's in it at a certain point it's like that 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 social uh ease with which you might consume them all of a sudden like it takes on like a much different tone when you're being offered and then assisted upon having it by uh, a stranger and that 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 tension is certainly it it's certainly used to build tension throughout uh elijah i want i want to talk about some more like really really spoiler heavy stuff and provide a more um, specific jumping on point but it sounds like you uh strongly recommend this movie oh yeah definitely all right uh I, I would as well and you know i'm not uh, i'm not traditionally like the biggest horror person though as i often talk about when i talk about horror movies on this podcast i've expanded my horizons a lot that still doesn't mean i'm something someone that like, likes a bunch of jump scares but if that's not really your thing also then like i think you can really get a lot out of this movie and i also recommend it but uh if you don't want to really have some big stuff spoiled for you you can go away now and then come back when you finish we'll timestamp the podcast and all that so you can easily find where this point in the podcast is. But uh, Elijah, I guess the most obvious place to start with, if we're going to do uh, uh, more heavy spoilers, is uh, what were you thinking when those old people walked off a cliff?
1: I I guess in a way I was sort of, I was feeling maybe what Josh was feeling, the character of Josh at the time. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, when Pele said, oh yeah, we're going to go to the Atistupa a little bit later, I was like, wait, what? Because you know being familiar with uh, you know Norse Nordic cultures, uh, that's a that's actually a pretty decently well-known uh, <laughs> um, thing that happened. For those of us that um, aren't polygots,
0: what does that mean? Uh,
1: it so, uh, Etisstrova literally translates to um, like a, a, a your your family's cliff. Um, or, or ravine, or, you know, something to that effect. And the, the act of etistrufa is, um, or, or I guess maybe the, the witnessing of an etistrufa is where you uh, would see elderly people, uh, sometimes sick people, sometimes deformed children, forced to throw themselves off a cliff
0: oh geez okay uh, so yeah so, so, so i i guess i didn't pick up on that in the movie like i, I the word i didn't I, I forgot that josh was like a little bit on un, uh un,
1: unnerved when he first heard that word so that's interesting well so yeah so pelle says oh we're gonna go to see an stupa and and josh is like wait like a real one and pelle was like yeah sort of <laughs> And um, and and Danny is like, well, what does that mean? And she asks Josh. And I think this is a a moment where it's like normal people would probably be like, you know, maybe we should discuss this a little bit. Um, But the arrogance of these characters kind of gets in the way where it's Mm -hmm. like Josh doesn't believe that it could actually really be a real thing. Whatever.
0: It's good for my thesis.
1: Right. And he's not you know, he's not at all really bothered by that and danny is more upset about that about the fact that he doesn't want to say something than about actually discovering what it is right so so yeah i mean when when that was uh, initially brought up it, it definitely kind of gave me whiplash for a minute where i was like well hold on a second uh, and I had seen, I had seen in the trailers there is this. They they do a very very brief shot of somebody walking up to like an older person walking up to a cliff. Mm. So I, when they said that, I said I was starting to put the dots together. I was like, oh oh okay, I see what's happening mm. here. <laughs> but I did not expect it to be the way that it was. And I think it was. You know, visually yeah. and, and sensationally, one of the craziest and best parts of the movie.
0: Yeah, we already talked about the the reaction to it a little bit. and It's just how they are rather matter-of-fact, even in how they will go and pick up a hammer to finish the job. And it's like, wow, huh? This is just like – this is their norm, even if it's – I guess it's an every-90-year thing. Like, it's just part of their culture, and it's just like – they're they're so non-plus they're they're so non-plus to the point that like you wonder if it almost like encourages our, our our american characters to like not freak out as much as we would expect someone to freak out when they witness something like that and not immediately go running for the hills literally
1: right and i mean it's it was a great way to to show that it's like these people are still normal people to some degree i think you know when when this happens. the The British characters who were never really explored much as as actual characters, um, but they're they're still present and they still kind of reflect some some you know elements of the audience in in them. They freak out. I mean, they absolutely lose their minds. Um, and the village elder is like angry at them for losing their mind she's like this is our culture this is our you know (laughs) this is this is the way that we we connect with nature and we wouldn't let these old people just rot you just be uppity americans right um and so i thought that was that was kind of funny in a way because that's not really a conversation that most horror films would have Mm. most horror films would go full cannibal holocaust and just you know that's just the way the natives do it and we're just gonna you know be Self-righteous and horrified about it. Yeah, and, this is uh, like a
0: routine, uh, or like a routine plot development is almost how it's treated. <laughs> Even right, if and it it is it's something it, really extreme.
1: Right, and it's not. It is not a moment of well, you know, you've just witnessed something terrible, and now you have to die. It's you've witnessed something that we think is normal, and let's have a conversation about it. Which it's it's almost comedic in a way. Um, another moment of just like well. How am I supposed to react to this? You know, am I supposed to be frightened or find it funny or what?
0: I, and, and I guess what what fascinated me so much about it was, like I said, that the characters just they didn't all well the 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 British English characters they they do kind of try and get out of town and it doesn't go so well for them. But like the the rest of the characters, are like. They're like, all right, like let's regroup, as opposed to like, all right, let's get the hell out. And oh no, Mark was taking a nap during that thing was the thing, so he actually wasn't there for it. And I guess the whole thing with him uh, peeing on the tree and getting uh, him getting the uh, him getting being the first one to kind of uh, m- meet his fate happens uh, first. But then uh, they're still more concerned about the thesis almost than anything else. After that, it's kind of hilarious.
1: Yeah, um, and I think again, this is. This is this this thematic aspect of, um, you know, reflecting society back on these characters. And it's sort of like they don't want to accept that something is completely wrong and out of control. Something really uh, abnormal is occurring. And, um, well, and also with, so da- with Danny. In-
0: yeah, well, Danny, like, accepts the accepts the invitations of these people just to like take part in activities after that thing. I guess, like you said, I guess that kind of goes with what you're saying. Like she just, she just wants to like, kind of like find some normalcy in all of it.
1: Right. Um, Danny's Danny's obsession is with attention and with fitting in. And so I think that plays a big role in her decisions. Um, And I think the conversation that she has with Pele afterwards, uh, after they witness, you know, the people jumping off the cliff, I think that that, plays a big role in her character arc. Um, you know that that's the moment at which she starts to really question whether or not she is upset by the things that she's seeing. Um, and from that point on, really, the, the main things that bother her are not things that the people in the community are doing; it's the things that that her friends are doing. Yes,
0: yeah, so um, that's that's like kind of the 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 main thing I wanted to ask about as far as like the rest of this movie is that what do you think about the journey that it, it takes her on in that like, I mean, it, it gets her to like a, a, like a very different place. And she in some ways really like embraces a lot of what is there. Did you, did you, did you buy that? And did you buy that character arc?
1: Yeah, I did. I mean, I think our Ari Aster loves making movies about characters that are broken, um, perhaps even to some degree beyond repair. Um, and I think, that was true in Hereditary, and I think that's true in this movie, and I think um, Danny as, as a main character is really intriguing because she is, you know, we're, we are meant to empathize with her. She's lost her family, but she's she's a difficult person, um, and I think we're meant to be like everybody knows somebody like Danny who does not deal with crisis well, who has severe, uh, image, self image issues. And, um, you know, is is sort of unable to accept, uh, her surroundings. Um, and she's constantly both mentally and physically attempting to escape from them, um, and to run away. She wants, she wants somebody to share in her, um, in her grief, which I, I think is very understandable. Um, of course in the film, the way that that occurs is, is a little bit, Horrifying. She finds the people that share in her grief are people who are demented and who are, you know, um, largely just sort of an embodiment of the uncaring and and, uh, uh, unknown of the universe that, you know, in her in her greatest moment when she, you know, when she needs the most attention and all of these female villagers come to her aid. All that they're doing is mimicking her. They're just crying the exact same way that she's crying. But, but, it's, that's like, but it's like
0: better. It's a better reaction that
1: she's gotten from anyone else in her life in response right. to like all the grief she's gone through, I guess. Exactly. It's the way that that she needs to be communicated to when, uh, you know, when when this happens. And I it's sort of it's it's sad. It's pitiful because it's like she we want to feel bad for her we we really do and we should feel bad for her but she has such a, a problem communicating just like every other character does mm-hmm. and um you know we we we're witnessing her really falling apart we're not witnessing her being empowered or or re- achieving a great victory she's succumbing to her own you know terrible impulses yeah. um but she feels by uh, and we see by her succumbing to those that she's happy.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I, I like the way you put it and thinking about it that way because we, as most people that I have discussed this movie have mentioned, and we should too. I think one of the more uh disturbing scenes in its own way is earlier in the movie when she is expressing a lot of her a, a lot of her grief and a lot of her sadness and a lot of her anxieties to Christian and. I mean, he he doesn't react in the best way and then she ends up apologizing to him. It's like uh, not the best look, probably a pretty accurate depiction, though, of like what some of the worst uh, male actions in such a scenario could possibly be. And I hadn't even thought about really like, necessarily even comparing that scene in particular to some of the stuff we do see as far as her interactions with the villagers later on. And, uh, I mean, a lot of that stuff is just done really interestingly. I mean, yeah, that, that, that sex scene is, like, very, very disturbing. But then uh, I guess that is a very important moment that it leads into. And uh, similarly, I mean, the dance sequence is inc- really impressively choreographed. But at the same time, it's like, I, I feel like it says a lot about what that character is going through just to see the expression on her face in, that, in those moments as opposed to anywhere else in the film. Like the, the the release and the the state of mind that she is put in just from taking part in that ritual is liberating in a way that almost nothing else in has presumably been for her in life for quite some time. And uh, you really do see it because we, we haven't really, really talked too much about the performances, but I mean, it's Florence Pugas has to do a lot and she does it very well.
1: Yeah, I mean, her her emotional and her, you know, her physical portrayal of her emotions is really—I mean, she's she's able to wear that extremely well. But yeah, I mean, I think that's—we get even the first glimpse of it when she sees the photos of the former May queens on the wall. Um, and it's the first time that she seems interested in anything that's going on in, you know, in, in Housing Land. Um, in the Orga, um, the first time that she, she's even remotely interested is when she sees the pictures of the May Queens and she sees the esteem and the recognition with which they're held and, and, the, and the honor it is to be one. And so even though she is, you know, an unwitting drugged participant in the May Queen contest, in the Maypole dance, I think subconsciously it is again a reflection of her desires. Her desire to be recognized, to be seen as something, you know, as something beautiful and, and something, um, you know, worth admiring and, and worth uh, and worth loving.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, did you have any other thoughts, though, just on that last I mean, almost hour of the movie as a whole, it felt like I didn't really look at my watch, which is also a compliment to most movies in and of itself um, Mm -hmm. to time that. But like, I mean, that whole sequence from when she I think basically when she gets involved in the dance to the very end. I mean, it it feels like it's like one really long, continuous scene to end the movie. Basically, you're cutting you a few different locations as as Jack is kind of like Jack Rayner as Christian is uh, ultimately like trying to run from everyone and then is um, drugged up and then putting the, put in the bear carcass and all that. Like you're, you're in a lot of different locations, but it does feel like one long uh, scene for lack of a better term. Uh, how did you think he basically just pulled off that last act though?
1: Um, I thought he executed it really well. I think you're, you're right in that it carries a very widespread of uh, both, you know, locations and, and narrative points and, you know, places within the narrative that we, you know, we have to hit all these little points before we can wrap up the story. And it does it without making it seem like a ton of time has passed, uh, an unrealistic amount of time. It helps
0: because it's all like the whole time. Of course, it, it, it does. It, he, is, he is
1: cheating a little bit because it's daylight the entire time. But um, and maybe that's maybe maybe that is to its benefit in a way that we, you know, as the audience are disoriented by it and we have no idea when things are actually happening. Maybe days... Right, it's a, it's a cool trick. I guess, yeah, I hadn't even thought about it that way. Yeah, um, but we, we perceive it as one, um, you know, progressive sequence because of the way that it's edited. Um, and I thought that was, a, you know, a really impressive way of doing that. I thought it was a great way of utilizing strangeness and, and absurdity and, you know, getting a ton of laughs up and until and including the time at which all the characters are, you know, that Christian is being burned to death um, as part of the the ceremony, um, that we get laughs even in that scene. I mean, he, you know, for the the audiences here, uh, Christian is chosen to impregnate a member of the the cult, um, which he does, maybe not of his own volition. He's clearly on drugs, but it's definitely subconsciously something that he has been hoping to do. Um, And Danny witnesses it. And then from that moment on, you know, this betrayal becomes a very important part of the last bit of the story. Um, And he is, you know, Christian subsequently tries to escape and then is knocked out and wakes up later on to be, Basically, to, to where Danny then decides that he will be the one that is sacrificed, and the last time that we really see him is when he when he wakes up again and he's in, in the you uh, know the temple that's about to be burned down, and he's wearing like a bear co- he's wearing a bear costume that is literally a bear carcass that has been gutted and he has been sewed up inside of. And it opens on his face and just kind of pulls back slowly. <laughs> the camera pulls back to reveal the bear costume and he's just sort of looking around in this dazed like drugged out They've bewildered done something to him face. so he can't speak right and the, the the audience absolutely went nuts at that scene and i yeah. I don't blame them. it was pretty funny like it's pretty funny that um you know you can you can get a laugh in a moment like that when we know a character is about to die, and he's just like you know He's just drugged out and just kind of like zoned out and looking around. <laughs> it's a very, um, it was a very clever way of doing that. And I think, uh, again, I hate to keep harping on a point, but again, I think it's just a reflection of the of society and the world in general that we don't get cinematic deaths. We are not, uh, you know, not frequently in a place where we have, uh, a death that's that's either exciting or anything. Yeah, he, really, does, he
0: doesn't get a heroic
1: death saving Danny from something or anything like right. that. Right. And he and, and by the contrast, he doesn't get a gruesome you know, well, I mean, it's pretty gruesome, but he doesn't get a really, you know, a slasher villain death where, you know, he, he gets doesn't get anything as gory as like
0: the elders that got jumped off the thing, you know? It's just like, right. it's it's in effect off screen almost.
1: Yeah, it's so nonchalant and I think that's uh, that's a great way to kind of joke about the the patheticness of life in general that you know you go through life and then you just die <laughs> mm. it just just sort of happens um and that's uh that was a really uh clever way of showing that yeah all right well elijah before you leave is there are there are
0: there any parts of this movie that like i didn't ask you about or anything else you wanted to uh touch on about it because i mean there's certainly a lot to it anything else you want to talk about before you left
1: I mean, wow, there's there's still a ton to talk about about this movie, but (laughs) I mean, I'm not not trying to kick you out. I just didn't. I've been I've been
0: steering this conversation if there's anywhere else I need to steer it.
1: No, of course. Um, You know, I think uh, we've talked about the comedy. We've talked about the romance. We've talked about the horror Um, and I've certainly brought up, I think the, you know, the, the societal commentary, um, and just, and I will say, I I, I really, I really,
0: one of the points you really did made that I really did enjoy though, is just like thinking about just like how, how differently Danny actually ultimately was treated by those people in the village compared to the people in her life. And I think when I first like got out of the movie, I, I had a little trouble seeing it as a relationship movie, uh, all the way through because there aren't a ton of scenes really where her and Christian are talking really after the first trip when they get to Sweden and I was like huh well I don't know if it's a as big of a commentary on relationships but I think it's almost like super telling that like that the fact that they don't have a big long talk after the after the elders jump off and he's not really there to like be comforting her all that much necessarily is it says a lot in and of itself and then to see how the other Swedes come to her aid, and the other following the other developments, it it really does make the lo- the movie click into place for me. So I am glad we touched on that. But sorry, did you have another point you were going to make?
1: No, I mean I just I love um, I love that this film kind of follows in. If there is one trend that a Hereditary set with um, with Ari Aster's career, that this film is continuing, it's the unlikely kings and queens um, ending. Right. Endings to his movies, uh, you know, spoilers for Hereditary, but Hereditary also ends with a character, with the with the, the main male character played by Nat Wolf, Alex Wolf. Alex Wolfe, Nat's brother, yeah. Uh, Alex Wolf, sorry. Um, with Alex Wolfe being possessed by an ancient demonic spirit and being kind of crowned, again, very sort of pathetically and, and haphazardly, haphazardly by... Um, by a cult, uh you know, they they call him King Payman and he this the end of the film is him just sort of accepting and relishing this attention. And I think uh this movie continues that trend well of sort of uh you know dealing with characters who who just sort of wanted attention. They just wanted to be recognized and the only way that they could get it was by killing all their friends and family and um you know being accepted by cults.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what Ari Aster does next, for sure. And based on a couple of interviews I've seen, it might be a, a slightly different direction that would make it harder to necessarily get to an ending of that nature. But it's it'll be really cool to see how he can like uh, work different deranged things into uh, stories that might you might not think on the surface might uh, require them. And I wouldn't expect anything less. So, um, Elijah, before you sign off, anything you want to plug?
1: Oh, gosh. There's... <laughs> There's a lot going on right now. Um, currently on TNT, we've got a new season of Claws, a uh, f- couple episodes in, as yeah, well as
0: any Florida listeners that we have here uh,
1: might be their kind of show, right? It takes place in Florida, right? Yes, yeah, set in uh, Palmetto, Florida, and uh, follows a group of um, of uh, criminal uh, nail salon. Uh, workers <laughs> okay. uh, it's a crime comedy drama and it's uh it's a lot of fun very visually uh you know engaging and electric and um we're about i think maybe halfway maybe uh three quarter, two quarters of the way two thirds of the way into um our season of uh, animal kingdom as well so keep an eye out for those on uh sundays mondays and uh yeah, uh, we have HBO Max coming up in the spring as well, which I'm sure I we'll, I we'll I missed the lot. story
0: on that. So like well, how is this going to be different from HBO Go? If I am I still going to be am I going to get everything if my parents have an HBO subscription, can I just still just log in and get it?
1: <laughs> um I got to be totally honest, I'm not sure if that's something that they've really uh, elucidated Quite yet. Okay. Um, I think HBO Now or HBO Go is still going to remain what it is, but it's a you know as an HBO only platform. Right. You know whether or not those are going to be phased out later on, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. As far as HBO Max is concerned, uh, you know it, it retains the HBO name for that family of direct-to-consumer uh, products, but. Um, it's largely going to be a, an omnichannel. The idea that you you don't know, have this one service that you can get multiple um, you know channels and and types of content on. Gotcha. Um, so I, it might you know include things that you would already have through HBO Now or HBO Go, um, but you have the ability to get more as well. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, everyone, keep an eye out for that. Elijah being a good company man, as usual, on behalf of Turner. As far as anything, I'm going to plug the usual. Josh Chernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is The Rewind Movie Pod. And uh, coming up next week on the pod, we'll probably have some episodes on – our friend Daniel is definitely going to join us for – Uh, crawl but uh maybe also stuber or someone else might join us for stuber i haven't decided if we're going to cover stuber definitely going to talk about claw though another florida uh based uh pop culture thing uh just plugging all that stuff right now in our final segment but uh yeah everyone thanks for listening elijah thank you for joining we'll see you next time